0: Welcome to the debut of the Black Excellence in Higher Education Podcast, produced exclusively by Black Programs at New Mexico State University. Join us as we take a deep dive into the hearts and minds of our esteemed Black faculty and staff. Our guests will share their expertise, perspectives, and experiences as they tackle concerns and celebrate successes that are common to Black culture and supporting students of color in higher education. Come on in and join us. Thank you for joining us for the first episode of the Black Excellence in Higher Education podcast. I am Kimberly York, your host and interim director for Black programs at New Mexico State University. I'd like to introduce my co-host, Ignacio Alvarado.
1: Hi, my name is Ignacio Alvarado, and I'm the Student Engagement Specialist for Black Programs.
0: Today, we have the privilege of having with us Mrs. Carol Hicks, affectionately known as Miss Carol. Carol is the Director of TRIO Student Support Services Program here at NMSU. I can tell you firsthand that she is a woman who is most comfortable behind the scenes but has provided years of valuable support and resources to students and faculty and staff on our campus. I first met uh, Miss Carol back in 2016 when I was a volunteer with Black Programs. She and I would um, dare to venture into the student culture um, during the Friday evening Let's Talk About It sessions that were hosted by uh, Black Programs and uh, the Black Student Association. Let's Talk About It was um, not for and still is not for the faint at heart. It is a firsthand look into student culture um, as lived by students and as told by students. It's an opportunity for um faculty and staff to get to know students in a way that is unscripted, unfiltered, and it is all things that are important to students. And it provides very valuable information about student trends, about things that we need to know as faculty and staff to be able to effectively support students, but even more importantly, to be able to uh, build bonding and have meaningful relationships with students. Today, Ms. Carol is granting us full access to learn about her very interesting life journey. She's also going to share her worldview about Black culture and the significance of Black History Month for her. In addition, you'll get to learn more about the valuable resources and supports that are available through the TRIO Student Support Services Program. And then lastly... For those who are looking to call New Mexico State University home, you'll get a bird's eye view into the life of a staff person who's been on our campus for a number of years. So with that being said, Ms. Carroll, thanks so much for agreeing to be here with us today. How about you begin by just telling us a little bit about yourself?
2: First, let me tell you how humbled I am uh, by being asked to speak for the uh, Black Excellence um, podcast. It's a very humbling experience and I'm quite honored to be your first speaker. Um, Let me start by telling you a little bit about myself. Well, a little bit about myself was that I was born and raised in Rochester, New York. Um, I'm from a family of 10. I am first generation student And I was the first in my family to go to college and obtain a degree. I was also very fortunate, which is not too popular in this day and time, to have both my parents in the home. Um, I think that is something that was very relevant or is very relevant to uh, where I am today, because um, I always feel that both parents are needed in the home. Not that it can't be done without both parents, but I feel that both are needed in the home. Um, my mom was a, the neighborhood mom, since there were eight children, each one of us had a friend and someone that was always at the house. We, our house was always filled with children and, and people doing things. So it was a very, um, um, lively home that I lived in. I was a nerd, uh, meaning that I was deep into my math and sciences. I also played sports and received, um, awards for being outstanding in the sports field. Um, I received the award for being an outstanding senior. Um, I played, my most popular sport was a sport called field hockey. My degree, my degrees is, is in education, K through high school, physical education, special education, then I have a master's in special ed and, and I am a diagnostician. I Consider myself resilient in life lessons, pretty much, and and that's my background.
0: Wow, Miss Carol, I had no idea that you were such a sports buff. Can you talk a little bit more about Rochester and what brought you all the way from upstate New York to the humble city of Las Cruces, New Mexico?
2: Well, I love to travel, and I've been a lot of places. Okay, um, Like I say, most of my life I, I started in Rochester. By, while in Rochester, I visited a lot of states within the United States. Um, with that, I also had the opportunity to, to go overseas and live overseas in Italy, Germany, um, and had different uh, opportunities in, in those areas. Um, When my my husband was a military husband. So when we got ready to leave the military, we had to decide where we wanted to settle. Okay. Um, At that time, we had one child and we decided that we were going to settle. We had visited El Paso while we were dating. uh, And we decided that that's where we were going to settle. We knew we didn't want to take our children back to New York because the life was too fast and it was just too much um, street life going on there. And so we wanted to bring our our children who are also used to a what we call a multicultural lifestyle, um, back to a place that was multicultural and also to, to you know, um, a little slower with what's, what's going on in life and in the streets um, and more to me, a more protective environment. And so we decided to settle in uh, El Paso, Texas. I also had a sister living there at the time and and that helped being closer to family.
0: Nice. Nice. So you talked a little bit about being a first generation college student. Can you expand upon what gave you the motivation to want to pursue college when you had never seen that done before?
2: First, um, Trio planted the seed. They planted the seed. um, I was always told I was gonna be successful academic, because like I said, I was a nerd, I, I you know. I was only female in my science classes, math classes, really high aptitude for those type of things. And so what TRIO did was they planted the seed. They let me know. I was always told that I was gonna be there but TRIO showed me how, okay. Um, it wasn't always assumed. Um, when I first started college, I went, like I said, I was a nerd. And so as far as social activities, there were none. I was strictly book book learning. Um, once I started college, I learned social activities. Okay. So what made me stick to it was the fact that I knew that I could do it. There was no reason for me not to be able to achieve. I always told my children, it's one thing to have the ability and not use it and not have the ability and can't do it. Okay. So I always felt like, if you have the ability, you must use it. Okay. And so with that, and that was one thing that trio again is still doing um, with that. I felt like um, as again, that, that each challenge was a challenge. And so I had to be resilient in my pursuit of my degree. And so um, I met each challenge. I mean, I had challenges like I would um, financial aid. Um, They told me that um, I qualified and I started school and I I went to school. And um, each time I went to the financial aid office, I left crying because I never had any money. And when I said I didn't have any money, they would tell me, Oh, your parents make too much. No, You're not eligible for financial aid, but yet the federal government was telling me something different. Uh, Later to find out that the particular college I was um, attending at that time, um, during that time, uh, later got um, were indicted for mishandling financial aid funds and that they were taking funds from students without students' knowledge. We were signing off for loans and never received them, um, those type of things. And so, yes, it's been a long journey. And like I say, there were different challenges, but I always knew because of what TRIO instilled in me that I would get my degree. And once I completed my undergrad, I went right on and completed the master's. It was like, it it was a no brainer.
0: Thanks for that insight into how TRIO served as a valuable support to you. Can you remind us uh, what your degrees are, Ms. Carroll?
2: Mostly in education. Uh, special ed, um, elementary ed, secondary education, physical education, and then I have a master's in special ed with the uh, emphasis. Well, I have a certification as a diagnostician. So, describe your
1: role at NMSU in the NMSU ecosystem, and you know what led. What's what do you do for trio, if you okay. don't mind?
2: Yeah, I'm the director for the Trio Student Support Services Program here at NMSU. Um, what you will learn is there's more than one TRIO program here at NMSU. We have the high school programs, TRIO rebound programs as well. Can you hear me? Oh, as well as the college programs, uh, TRIO students for its services, and we have a STEM-H TRIO Student for service program, which serves uh, um, students who are in the sci- sciences as well as um, engineering. Um, my role... First of all, I've been with TRIO for 39 years throughout my career at different universities, Rochester Institute of Technology, um, University of Texas at El Paso, Monroe Community College, and um, finally here at New Mexico State University. Um, TRIO is a program that to me helps to empower and support first-generation students with disabilities and low income. they help to help them to persist and be successful in their post-secondary completion. Um, what we try to do is empower students to take responsibility for their education through a series of support services. We try to take a holistic approach when looking at these students, looking at their academic challenges, financial challenges, life challenges, and provides tools to assist them in having resilience to continue and complete their goals. Um, I serve on committees and endeavors that support this mission. Uh, And to me, this is a life mission, Um, knowing what I went through in undergrad and and, and the challenges that I had, um, and what people don't know, it took me, what, I would say about 15 years to receive my bachelor's degree. Again, working through the bureaucracy, going from one school in one place and going to another school ready to complete my degree and then finding out they had me start all over. Okay, so again, TRIO is there to assist students and to empower students to take responsible for their education. You don't know what you don't know. So what I try to tell them is give them tools by which they know processes and know information and have something to go in and be, be, what is it, proactive about how they're going to work towards their education and accomplishing their growth.
0: So thinking back on your long 15-year journey uh, to achieving your first degree, can you think about one specific person that, kind of served as a source of encouragement for you during those difficult times? Like, who instantly comes to mind for you? Wow,
2: um, my children. Um, and I say that because to me, family is important. The other thing is family support in seeking what I was seeking Making sure that I obtain mine while my children obtain theirs. And I think that that mutual support and understanding for my children and my and my husband um, helped me through those times.
0: Wow, that's really inspiring. I think you've already answered this next question, which, was about the significant learning experience from your educational and professional journey. Uh, maybe you can add something to that about the professional journey side.
2: On the professional journey side, learn your cultures. Learn what when I say cultures, learn what what environment you're operating in. learn the processes, procedures, people, all of it is important. Um, And I think because once you learn how to navigate these processes, that that's a a bridge to success. Um, You learn how to deal with the red tape bureaucracy, you learn to be more resilient um, and when I say cultures, I mean all cultures, not just black, white, um, Hispanic. I'm talking about military. I'm talking about cultures with which you live in, MSU culture. Um, There's all different cultures, learn your cultures because once you learn your cultures and your policies and your processes you're able
0: to operate better within those cultures. Thank you um, for sharing that. One last question before we kind of shift gears to a different topic. Can you talk a little bit about your proudest moment or your proudest accomplishments here um, at NMSU? My proudest
2: accomplishment? I think um, it's the development of my staff that I currently work with. Um, I give them kudos.
0: They're excellent staff, very excellent staff, and and
2: just being able to, I guess maybe not just my staff, maybe I should talk more about professional development and developing people. Um, I think that those are my proudest moments, the development of, of people. And, in supporting them in their development, in in their explorations, and in their goals, um, and of course, seeing those people, and especially my students, when they they are successful, when they walk across stage, when they have their degrees in hand, those are my proudest moments. Yes.
1: Thank you for that, Ms. Hicks. Back to what you mentioned about the importance of. Knowing the culture, knowing the systems, I'd like to ask you, so as an African-American and someone who I might add has been through so much resilience, so much perseverance, and trials and tribulations and challenges along the way, how would you leverage your experience, skills, and talents and resources to empower students? I knew you were going to ask me that.
2: I think I'm doing that now based on, again, like you said, my experience, my skills. I'm relaying those those to students in that, one, supporting them, two, showing them those systems and the skills that they need in order to be successful in those systems. And when I say systems, I mean, it could be anything from the financial aid process to knowing how to, knowing how to, um, knowing how to, to I forgot what it's called, knowing how to appeal for satisfactory academic processes, knowing how to talk to professors and have that communication and knowing whether it's effective. Um, seeking out resources that they they have there on campus in order to assist students and taking advantage of those opportunities that are presented to you. I think those are important skills for students to have. I think the other skill again is communication and being able to reach out and feel that you can reach out to these resources and receive the assistance that you need. The other thing is, I still say that resilient factor. You have to have that resilient factor because you're gonna always meet up against some type of opposition, but knowing how to work your way through that opposition is what's important. That's what makes you resilient.
0: Thanks for that insight, Miss Carroll. Kind of along the same lines, I'd like to ask In the true spirit of students and supporting students, especially students that um, attend minority-serving institutions, can you share your thoughts and your perceptions about the role of culture centers such as Black programs and other diversity programs in the efforts to support students?
2: I think they play an important part because, one, Um, students, a lot of students really don't know who they are. A lot of students don't know what they really need. A lot of students, um, don't know what they don't know. Okay. And I think these programs help to bring some of those perspectives into, into being for our students. I think, um, again, as a support system too, and helping them to identify themselves and figure out who they are and ask some of those hard questions about themselves, those tough questions, you know, what am I here for? What am I really doing? What is my purpose? Am I really making an exerted effort towards completing my education? Um, Why am I interested in this particular uh, field? that I'm interested in, or why did I choose this particular major? Um, A lot of people like to know who they are and how they fit in in respect uh, to others. And I think um, these type of programs let students know that as well, you know? Um, We're not islands. And I think um, that support system, whether it be um, academic, uh, personal, familial, Um, because I believe some of these programs do give our students that familiar feeling to where they're a little bit more comfortable in the setting. Um, I think these are important factors. Again, if you look at Maslow's hierarchy and meeting the needs, okay? We follow his hierarchy. These programs meet a lot of those basic needs that, that, that he talks about.
1: Thank you so much, Ms. Hicks, for your description about the importance of our diversity programs on campus. Uh, I want to switch gears a little bit and ask you about what historical Black figures inspire you and why. Is there any modern day figures who you look up to or you see the potential in them to change the Black community, really make a difference in the future and make their mark on history? Okay,
2: I'm going to start with figures during my time. (laughs) First of all, of course, the, the mighty Dr. King. You know um his philosophy and the way that he went about accomplishing um some of the things that he accomplished in his life um no they haven't come to full fruition no but but the concept is the same okay and the pro again the process is the same the way that he goes about it through love um is what i like today um leaders Michelle Obama. And I say Michelle Obama because, again, looking at the way that she goes about accomplishing the tough stuff, you know, uh, the love that she shows, but also the fact that she's she's educated and she's using her education in such a way to educate others um, in the process and in the fight. Um, I think she's, um, well, I know she's very highly respected, but I think she's also very, very smart and calculating on how she moves. And so I, I respect her quite a bit.
0: I definitely echo your sentiments about uh, Michelle Obama. Uh, for many of us, she will forever be our First Lady. And I think that there is a lot to be said about the level of intelligence and the level of grace that she operates in. And I think that we can all learn some valuable lessons for her about how to be inclusive um, while yet remaining true to your own culture. It reminds me of the quote, and please forgive me, I don't know it by heart. Um, Cesar Chavez talks about... Um, honoring and you know taking pride in one's own culture doesn't mean that you have to denounce or demean another culture so i definitely um appreciate your perspective on um mrs obama switching to a little bit more of a introspective question um, I know that it's a question that I often pondered for my own self in, in professional circles and is the whole notion of the concept of, do you prefer the term black or do you prefer the term African American and why?
2: Yes. That was very, a very interesting question for me. Um, again, based on the times and where I grew up and how I grew up. What people don't know about me is I was once a black Panther. Okay. Um, Yeah. Very much in the struggle, very much in the fight. Um, But, (laughs) but my dad always told me that I wasn't black, that I was colored. I was colored. And that was a constant, um, a constant issue between us. Um, as I got older, I now I realized what my dad was trying to tell me and and that I am colored. I like to turn black as opposed to Afro-American because that's what I feel I am. I feel that I am black. Um, and looking at that whole colored perspective, yeah. Black, brown, white, um, and so I, to, I tend to, I tend to, I tend to be identified by the black, the term black, as opposed to African.
0: Yes. Yeah. Wow, Miss Carol, I must say you are really full of surprises. Who would have ever thought that you were a Black Panther? But I guess the saying holds true that what comes from the heart reaches the heart. And you have, even prior to your professional career, have been an advocate at heart. And so thank you for um, your service in a time when you know, advocacy was, and especially ground roots advocacy, was not a very safe and popular thing to do. So thank you for being a trailblazer in that way. In the same vein, yesterday I had the privilege of speaking before the House, New Mexico House of Representatives. I serve on the committee for the Black Education Act, which is House Bill 43, that is sponsored by Representative Cheryl Stapleton, who also happens to be um, a valuable NMSU alum, alumna. I would love to hear your perspective and your level of expertise as an educator about the significance of said act. And, you know, what do you feel would be important to include in such a bill?
2: I believe um, an important issue to emphasize in the Black education legislation is equity. Equity of resources, Um, Wi-Fi books, teachers, you know, um, all those types of things. Um, I have witnessed through my job as an educator and as a parent, the inequity in the educational system. I'm, I made sure my children received an educational resources by making sure they went to the schools that had them. And then as a result, my children were minorities in their classes, one or two blacks. They were often marginalized. Um, They were always asked to give me the black perspective. I remember one day my daughter coming home and asked me, just, just what is the black perspective? Because her teacher kept asking her about it. At the same time, I was working in the school in the inner city while she was going to this other school. And it was in the same school district that had very little resources, secondhand textbooks, cheap textbooks, uh, limited Wi-Fi, if any, and they were very far behind in technology. These things weren't a problem at my children's school, and they were going to school at the same time and in the same district. Now, you tell me how, to this, how does that happen. So I think we should uh, emphasize equity in the Black education legislation.
0: Thanks for weighing in on such a, a crucial um, topic and a crucial element in education reform, as we know that um, New Mexico consistently has ranked in the bottom um, when it comes to education of our students. And so I'm proud to let you know that all of those things that you identified are definitely included in the bill, but also proud to say that we have, you know, reached a milestone and that it did uh, unanimously pass in the House of Representatives. And so now it is also, it's on its way to um, the Senate. And so we're hoping to make strides and make this officially um, the legislation that our students most desperately need. Let's continue on the upswing of the celebratory uh, mode. As we know, uh, we are in the throes of Black History Month and I'd like to ask, from your perspective, if you could share, you know, the significance of Black History Month for you and your family and if you have any traditions.
2: Black History Month. Um, I celebrate Blackness 365 days a year. Um, a month, to me, is it, no different. I, I honor our forefathers. For bringing us this far. To me, the fight continues to be a 365 day fight for equality, justice, and to continue to expound on black excellence. I think that many were called, but few were recognized uh, for their accomplishments and their contributions. And I think they're just starting to realize all of the contributions that we have, but I think that should be an ongoing thing. The significance now at this point for one month, that's great, we have it. But again, I'm one that emphasizes black excellence 365 days a year. One tradition I have, of course, on that day is um, I usually attend the MLK events in the city of El Paso, or during that month. And they are usually done by the Interclub Council of Ministries and the Martin Luther Day Committee and El Paso. Often the program is at the church I attend, which is Mount Zion Baptist Church. Thank you, Ms. Hicks.
1: As someone who travels and has definitely been around and loves to encounter new places, new people, would you say in your experience and path of learning that Black History Month has different meanings and connotations from different regions from here to the borderland to New York, in your opinion?
2: Oh, yes, um, very different. Um, wow, these are some tough questions. Uh, very different because, um, like I say, I tr- I try to embody all cultures. I try to embody our differences as well as our our similarities. Um, I believe everyone is crying for the same thing. I just believe that blacks haven't been given the same opportunities to accomplish, okay, or to uh, demonstrate again our black excellence. Um, like I say, I embody all cultures. But I am black, and so I am more concerned about Michael's. The goal and the message is the same for all blacks and that the fight is for equity. Um, What may be different is the processes by which we strive towards black excellence and equity. The culture and the environment in a particular city may be different. So therefore, it's what the law permits is also a factor. Some celebrations happen in churches, spiritual support for the cause, like dance, prayer. You know, with the hope of seeking a better tomorrow. Some happens in the schools, educational support, learning the history, lectures, um, moving forward from where we are now. Some happen in demonstrations or walks, grassroots advocacy, working for a better tomorrow. As celebrations, we we are celebratory folk. Often. We celebrate through food and drink. So different celebrations for different areas of the country, yes. Thank you.
1: Thank you so much for that. It's very interesting to hear your opinion on you know how Black History Month is definitely it's very much different so especially in an area such as Las Cruces, New Mexico, where we represent two percent of the population. So, you know, I think it's very important and insightful to see how, you know, Black History Month is different from place to place, especially for me. I've spent my entire life in this area. So I know Black History Month as it's celebrated here, but I don't know how it's celebrated in certain parts of the country. So thank you for highlighting that. Um, just something a little more lighter and not as improv. So what is your favorite quote and its significance to you?
2: My favorite quote is Proverbs 15. And it says, a gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh words stirs up anger. It's much longer than that, there's more to it. But basically what it's saying is, we have to be careful with our words. We have to be careful with our words. We have to be careful about how we, what we say, how we say, who we say it to. Um, we have to be careful. We have to be sensitive, okay, to, to others, what I call spirit, okay? To me, a student not knowing what they're going through at that present moment, and then being faced with something else that they never expected while attending class. Okay. I.e., a student that morning, father passed away, but still ended up going to class. Okay. Gets to class, professor comes down on him about something. Okay. Builds up to even a bigger escalation of things. We have to be very careful with our words and how we express ourselves, what we say to our students, to each other. Um, We're in a time now where, in light of what's going on to the world, with the world, it's crazy. It's really crazy right now. But have we lost our humanity? No, we haven't lost our humanity. And that's the one thing that we have to hold on to. I don't care what color you are. Okay. And so... Just common courtesy and, and, and common respect, what I call mutual respect towards one another, I think is, is, is lacking. And I think we need to revisit that.
0: Thanks so much for that, Miss Carroll. I could not agree more that mutual respect is definitely a common ground that we all need to strive to operate from. I wanted to circle back just a little bit uh to your discussion about being a black panther. I'm just reminded that just recently uh Angela Davis, a notable black panther, celebrated her 77th birthday, and I'm remembering that in 2018 I had the privilege of joining black programs and BSA to UTEP when they hosted um the honorable Angela Davis. And she talked a lot about young people's role in the movement and understanding the importance of moving the needle forward in a very progressive way. I wanted to know from your perspective and your lived experiences, can you talk about what you would consider to be the most significant milestone of the African-American slash Black community?
2: the civil rights act of 1964 was the most significant milestone and i say that because that gave us the that gave us the opportunity to go out and do what it is that we needed to do for our communities that 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 gave us the law that put back that gave us what what people considered um What's the word I'm looking for? Um, that gave us the the justification, okay? Because to me, it, it, it really brought the, the situation to light in letting the world know or letting United States know or other communities know what was really going on, okay? It was one thing um, on the books, but then there was another thing that was actually going on in communities. And so you had your small, you had your communities with their own um, fight and their own, uh, you know, yeah, fight trying to get things accomplished. But I think with the Civil Rights Act, it opened it up so that everyone knew there was a common goal. There was a common uh, uh, theme that kept happening. There was, you know, things that kept going on continuously, irregardless of what was being said, what was being shown to us. And I think we're at that same point now. But again, the law allows us to come out and really take a look at this. You know, basically, um, basically and when I say the law, I mean, it lets us come out lawfully and take a look at it without being um, labeled as being violent or being uh, irresponsible about how we're looking at that. And and I think we can draw parallels with that, with what happened in in Washington, D.C., with the Trump administration, okay? Again, those people were frustrated. Were they right? No, but they were frustrated. There was an issue and they wanted to, and you see how they got uncontrollable, okay? But for years, Blacks again, we've been seen as the monster when these things happen with us in our community. Okay? Now they're happening all the way all around the world. So now what? Where do we go from there?
1: What do you think we still have to fight for as a community? Like what do you think we need to continue to strive for and change?
2: The equality fight. I mean, that's never gonna change equality and and, and being considered in the same light as every other person, again being considered for who we are and what we do as opposed to as a group, you know, um, always being looked down upon. So I think that that right, that that fight for equality is never going to change. I feel like we're all always on a constant proving ground. Why should we always have to prove who we are? And the, and the funny thing is, you, if you look at the parallels, we have just as many accomplishments, just as many as accomplished um, um, individuals or people, accomplished leaders, um, educated. Um, why should there be a constant fight Struggle to prove who we are as black people. Does any other group have to do that?
0: Miss Carol, thank you so much for sharing your heart on such a sensitive topic. I think that it warrants a moment of pause for everybody listening, including myself just to pause and just ponder the weight of what you shared and also to think about our own positions and how we can contribute to meaningful conversations around this topic of equity and inclusion. And I know that on our campus, we are a double minority serving institution. And so we are in a very unique position to consider the lived experiences, you know, listening intentfully to understand and be empathetic. And I, I, I can't say that everybody will understand because that's not always possible, but but listening with an empathetic ear to for the point and the purpose of at least considering how we can work together to eradicate some of the heartfelt experiences. As we are coming to the close of our first episode of black excellence in higher education, I'd like to, um, end on an upward swing. And so I would simply like to ask Miss Carol, if you could tell us something fun about yourself.
2: Okay. One fun fact about me was I play softball. Um, I was a pitcher in softball till I was about 65 years old. I loved the game and was very excited when I arrived in this area and found out that I could play ball almost a year round. Um, so I had the opportunity to continue to play. So I played ball for almost 55 years in my life. And I just recently hung my cleats up. That's my fun fact.
0: Wow, Miss Carol. That's amazing. I used to play softball as well. That's amazing. So you are a pitcher, huh? Yes,
2: ma'am.
0: Wow. Well, thanks for sharing that. Just to, you know,
1: keep up the jovial mood. So do you have any comments, words of wisdom to students, perhaps maybe some staff members who could be entering university? Do you have anything, any advice you could give them to help them get integrated into the Mexico State University ecosystem and feel welcomed and eager to maneuver around all our systems and policies?
2: Uh, yes, be persistent. NMSU is a great place to go to school. Be persistent when you go in. Be, try to focus yourself on what it is that you want and then go get it. Find the support, find the tools, find the resources to help you to get there. It's possible you basically have great intentions as far as helping you to succeed and to receive your degree, but don't give up. Don't give up. Be resilient. Hang in there. You can do it. And like I say, it's a great place to be.
0: Miss Carroll, as we are officially coming to the close, I want to say thank you again because you know that we had talked about doing this um, some months back. And I think that there was a little bit of anxiety on both of our parts because we had never done anything like this before. But I would have to say that I think that it provided a bird's eye view for everyone um, to get to know you beyond the desk that you have served at for so many years on our campus. And we want to thank you again. And so I would like to take this opportunity to just give you the final words.
2: Like I say, this has been a very humbling experience. This, this experience. Um, it, had, it has made me revisit and, and really take a look at myself as well as where I've been and where I'm going. Um, I applaud Black programs, again, for, for the entire program that they're planning. I think that um, it's going to be an enlightening experience for not just the students, but the faculty, as well as the staff and the administration. Um, yes, I, I, again, I thank you again for the opportunity.
0: Thank you for joining us for Black Excellence in Higher Education. To learn more about the TRIO program, visit their website at triosss.nmsu.edu. We hope you will join us next Wednesday as we sit down for a Heart to Heart with Dr. Eric House from the English Department. We encourage you and wholeheartedly welcome you to join us for the full line of activities and events that will be taking place virtually for our Black History Month celebration. For full details, visit our website at blackprograms.nmsu.edu. And remember, preservation of one's own culture does not require contempt or disrespect for other cultures.